Hello and welcome back to the Apply Medic podcast. If you're new here, my name's Chris. I'm a fifth year medical student studying at Edinburgh Uni. I'm also the founder of Apply Medic and the host of the Apply Medic podcast. So I've got a very special guest with me uh, today and I'm not going to give anything else uh, away um, because I'm going to let Amber um, do it herself just to kind of uh, give an outline of, of who she is and, and what she does because I feel like we're going to have a very interesting conversation with everything that she's been up to both before and, and during medical school. So hi Amber, how are you? Hi, thank you very much for having me today. Oh no worries. Um, so I'd like to get straight into it if, if that's okay Amber. Would you mind uh, just kind of giving the audience um, a, a brief bit of background into who you are and, and what you're doing and what's led um, to you studying medicine now? Yeah, perfect. Um, so at the moment I'm currently a third year medical student on the undergraduate course at the University of Bristol. Um, It's taken me a little while to get to where I am now, Um, probably uh, not to bore everyone with my complete education journey, but starting at A-levels, I did, I think, maths, psychology um, and economics, took a year out travelling, decided I wanted to do science, so I self-studied chemistry and biology for a year just got the grades to get in to do biochemistry at the University of Leeds. Mm. I took um, a four-year course there, so I did a year abroad uh, in Australia for a year. Uh, So that was four years um, that went by very quickly again. Um, But they also then took another year out where I just got some, did a bit more traveling, and I got some lab experience down in Bristol. And I really loved it. I kind of cemented the idea that I wanted to get more experience in research. um, And I was able to get funding to do a PhD in biochemistry at the University of Bristol. And towards the end of that, I started to get together on my application for medicine, um, which was something that had kind of floated in my mind for quite a long time. But Mm -hmm. I suppose I just hadn't seen myself as someone, you know, who could be a medic or could be a doctor but gaining confidence throughout my PhD I decided to go for it and um, did my finished my thesis in July had my viva which is the examination that you have to go through to pass in August and started medicine in September Um, so and then yeah the last two and a half years have flown by and I'm in my clinical years now of medicine. Wow it's very impressive I'd, I'd like to to go a bit deeper actually into a particular aspect of that that I thought was quite interesting. You you mentioned that during that journey of of you going from school to then doing your undergraduate degree and and then going on to your PhD, that allowed you to increase your sense of confidence um, or your your kind of own sense of ability or competence to to go for medicine, but actually doing something like a PhD um, is is actually very demanding and, and doing something like the like the Viva and, and dedicating to dedicating your work to you know a particular project uh, for for three years is 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 very daunting and it's it's you know it's very hard work. Um, how did you then compare it to in your mind between say like a PhD for instance and medicine? How, how did you kind of distinguish the two? Yeah, I think, I suppose it depends what areas you feel confident in. So going into a PhD, obviously, yeah, absolutely challenges there. And 
definitely times when you know my confidence took a knock and had to really dig deep to get through it but it's very self-driven I think I kind of I'm confident in my organizing my ability to kind of self-drive myself look up information and it's just the resilience to in the face of experiments failing and failing and failing just to keep Mm -hmm. going in and trying I think what I where I really lacked confidence was I suppose in my people skills and interacting with people and and putting myself out there I suppose whereas your PhD you can kind of at least in my work I was in the lab it's you're working in a team as part of a large part of the lab but it's very self-directed and you are just your skills are quite independent and I think yeah my where I saw myself as not a person to become a doctor and be a medic was I suppose yeah just that confidence interacting with people and the clinical skills um and putting myself in front of groups of people and I I did quite a lot of teaching while um I did my PhD and I put myself in situations that made me very nervous and I you know I gained confidence got good feedback Mm -hmm. really enjoyed it and I kind of it was those moments that outside of I suppose the research and the lab work that made me think you know actually if I can do these things then you know why why couldn't I do medicine so yeah it was a combination of, of lots of experiences alongside um that that helped okay yeah that that makes a lot of sense and I guess especially in the and the communication side of things, I mean, you, you do have communicate, you do, you do need communication skills when doing something like, like a, you know, a PhD or a master's degree, but it's predominantly research based. But I feel like there's a, there's another range of your communication skills being used because you're typically only communicating with people who are very much like-minded and are, are, similarly how can I put it they're in the exact same field as you are typically and and so you you kind of communicate in the in the same way maybe the way that that a doctor would communicate with another doctor but actually there's a much larger range of communication skills required in medicine because you know especially in medical school if you're on placements like for me you know one week I was I was on the children's ward and, and you not only have to communicate with the parents at the same time but you also have to you know communicate with uh, you know a child who's about a baby from to a child to a teenager uh, a toddler all these different age ranges as well as communicating with other medical students and mm-hmm. with the consultant and everyone else um, mm-hmm. and they're the very different communication uh, styles actually and I feel like for someone who's not going to put themselves in that position before it's it's actually quite daunting to 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 try and communicate appropriately, um, mm-hmm. and not going to make a fool of yourself. Um, so yeah, definitely, I feel like there's there's a lot of um, you you learn a lot from experience uh, being put in positions like that. But it's also mm-hmm. positions that you're never really put in when mm-hmm. you're not doing something like medicine. It is quite unique. Um, so yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Yeah, I think as well, it's what's expected from the communication. So explaining something scientific or an experiment or a fact is one thing but what I definitely didn't appreciate until much later on was in medicine a lot of the time you need to know the facts that's your kind of your baseline 
but you're trying to interact on a much deeper level. You're trying to understand people's worries and fears. You know, you're that's potentially seeing them in a time of life that's very difficult for them. And actually, the kind of the aspects of kindness and compassion and knowing how to deliver quite technical language mixed in with all of those, it's just, it's, yeah, a lot more complex um, and something that I think takes more practice and uh definitely science communication yeah without doubt and in in medicine the things that you say can impact someone on a far more deep and personal level um Mm -hmm. than than you 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 would be able to otherwise in in any other kind of profession so Mm -hmm. definitely i think it does carry a lot more weight the the ability for yourself to communicate in that way Mm -hmm. yeah so that's fine so so that that kind of bridges the gap between the PhD compared to medicine. Um, and so the, the one other thing that, that I wanted to ask about uh, from what you said earlier was that when you were in school, then going through your undergraduate degree and then going through medicine, the uh, sorry, uh, then going through your PhD before medicine, uh, the, the thought of applying to medical school was kind of developing through that throughout that time what what was the kind of what what was the starting point for you to first uh, think mm-hmm. about or contemplate doing medicine but mm-hmm. then the thing i'm interested about actually is, is how did that then develop over time so that your interest was grown but actually you did something like a phd before then applying mm-hmm. to medical school yeah so i think when i was um looking at PhD applications I was considering doing medicine after my first degree and actually ridiculously at that point I was like oh you know it's probably too late you know I've already done a degree to starting medicine now is you know such a like a long time again um Mm -hmm. which is quite ridiculous considering I then did another four or five years and then started um but I think time you realize that a few extra years actually as time goes on just I suppose maybe matters a bit less whereas when you're 21 it feels a year or two feels definitely you know um like a lot of time um and but I think also I just in my biochemistry degree I had done a kind of my final year project and I think at that time just my involvement in research and that feeling of finding out new information and you being able to you know be the driving force behind your small little pocket of science I think that had I suppose just drawn my attention at that time you know I still love research I carry out I part do research part-time while I'm studying it's a big kind of part of my future plan um and I think that the PhD was just more on my mind at that time um and then during like I said I did quite a lot of teaching I also worked as um an uh, assistant practitioner for Terence Higgins Trust doing like sexual okay. health um, screening which gave me a little bit of a, a clinical taste um, and that I suppose drew my attention put it back in kind of my my mind and it was actually the final year of my PhD so I was starting to think about what am I going to do afterwards looking at potential careers um, and I actually injured my foot which took me out of the lab I was on crutches and I suppose it was that step back. I was sitting at home trying to write up a kind of early chapter and 
to be honest, trying to find anything I could do to avoid sitting down and writing. Um, So I started to look into what I might like to do, looking at options to do uh, like a postdoc, so postdoctoral position, research position. And I think looking that bit further ahead of, you know, not necessarily what I want to do next in the next year or two, but what do I want to be doing in five or 10 years time? And I think what I kind of the seed of medicine popped back in. And I was like, oh, no, that's, you know, you've been at university for, you know, what eight years now. You know, it's time to get a job. <laughs> no, that's ridiculous. But then when I was thinking about it, just the variety, I think it's just it offers so much, especially now I understood more about how I could incorporate research with a, a kind of a clinical mm-hmm. job. I'd started to increase my confidence in teaching and reaching out to different groups of people. And I could see how that would fit in with it. You know, teaching is a huge part of medicine. Kind of, you know, things like this, reaching out to people to say, you know, this is how you can get into medicine. These are, you know, disseminating that information to all sorts of people. Medicine allowed all of that. Plus it would challenge me with communication and clinical skills. And it just, I got really excited about it. And um, it was that kind of switch of, I can remember the moment I was sitting in the conservatory, with my foot in a boot. And I had that moment where I thought, oh, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apply to medicine. And uh, I was just, yeah, I was just filled me with excitement. Um, and I think, yeah, that was uh, kind of went on from there. Wow. But that's, I mean, that's that's a really nice story. I've never heard of someone uh, have, well, I've never seen someone have uh, such a big smile on their face when they were, they were talking about spraining their foot and being yeah, in crutches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I suppose mm. it was for the a, a better cause, I suppose. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that that's a really interesting story, actually. And the the thing that that interests me there is actually how did you you know, for anyone that's in a similar position to you, um, where you've you've done an undergraduate degree, you've done your PhD, um, you, you were looking for for postdoc uh, jobs, and actually through that you then decide actually I'm going to go back and do another, uh, you know, four or five year degree depending on where you study medicine as a postgrad. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you how did how did you develop the mindset where you you said to yourself, well, it's 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 okay to go back for another year because in the grand scheme of my life, um, it's not actually taken up much time, and this is the thing that I know I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm I'm going to sacrifice the the three the four, four or five years um, mm-hmm. to do that. How, how did you kind of make that mental transition? Yeah, I think partly I just was really excited about the idea of it, and there were things you know, the idea of earning a you know. A, a nice proper salary is alluring and there definitely have been things that maybe have been harder I haven't I'm gonna have to wait a few years before I um can do but I sound maybe a bit cheesy but I just feel so privileged I love learning and I get to fill my days with quite a lot of flexibility and I just really get to indulge myself in learning things that I love learning about Mm -hmm. and being a medical student, especially now on placement, yes, it's, it's definitely challenging and the volume of information is huge. But 
I get, you know, access to go and chat to people and find out all about their lives and then go and kind of, I suppose, nerd out on all the information behind it. And Mm -hmm. I've got the flexibility to work in other projects. You know, I work part time, which is for financial need, but I'm in a very lucky position where I'm doing a job that I also love. And I get to do other projects that my past experience in medicine has now given me a platform to do you know, like a bit of outreach and hopefully some education and making educational resources. And I tell you, it doesn't really feel like a sacrifice. I think if maybe I'd Definitely. earned more money in the past, maybe I'd miss it more. Um, but I think the student lifestyle suits me very well. I love pasta and spaghetti hoops, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think I, yeah, I just, I really enjoy my day-to-day life that I get to do mm-hmm. um and I just can't imagine actually any job that I could have gotten that I would prefer that to this now yeah definitely I completely agree and um yeah I think I've got the student life down to a T now mm-hmm. as well um I don't yeah. I'm not quite uh spaghetti hoops and things like yeah. that but what I do do is uh the the Tesco that's around the corner from me yeah. um I go in at just about five o'clock um when yeah. I'm walking back from the hospital and usually they have the pile of all the reduced sandwiches and everything like that so I, yeah. I stockpile on as many of those as I can and mm-hmm. that's my that's my lunch for the rest of the week <laughs> yeah um yeah but that that all makes a lot of sense and I I do want to ask you some more questions about working part-time and mm-hmm. and and funding yourself while going through medicine because it's 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 something that I'm quite passionate about as well um mm-hmm. but first I'd quite like to go into a bit more depth on your actual journey through the medical school application process and and mm-hmm. what your experiences were um so mm-hmm. would you mind just kind of giving like a like a brief outline of, of your journey through that application process yeah absolutely so the moment I decided to really go for it was in around the about Easter so it was about April time so actually quite close in the scheme of things to the next application cycle so I had a okay. bit of a rush you know working out when I could sit the different exams you know I had to I had no idea about the application process so kind of it was a, a few days of intense googling about you know, the different courses you could apply for as a graduate, the different exams, the different universities that would take the different exams. Mm-hmm. Um, I took a quick look at GAMSAT and uh, decided that it was um, not for me at this time. And that if I hadn't gotten in the first application cycle, then something I would look at. But uh, it felt like, yeah, quite a lot to take on at that mm-hmm. short notice and also for the universities that I started to look to apply to being in Bristol in the southwest was to honest, the, one of the highest priorities and I think that's very different from when I was you know first applying to biochemistry part of the excitement was you know applying all across the country and yeah. imagining where I could end up whereas actually I feel very settled in in the southwest and location was was really important so that narrowed down the options quite a lot um so I was looking at when to book in the exams because logistically it's you have to have things worked out because if you miss a deadline 
it can throw the application cycle off for a whole year, which definitely i think people people often underestimate how Mm -hmm. strategic and disciplined you actually have to be through the whole process Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so i think if you are thinking about it yeah get those dates in work out how things fit in and especially i so i did the ucat or the uk cat it was at the time and i did the bmat um and again i was trying to balance in well when how long do i want to revise the bmat there's not much flexibility with dates I think there's two sittings, um, but some universities want you to only take one of the sittings. And then the um, UCAT I booked in kind of later in the summer as possible um, so I could actually have time to revise. Um, So that was a big focus, to be honest. I don't know if it was helpful in the long run, but I definitely trawled a lot of forums trying to hear about other people's experiences. Um, it kind of drove me mad, especially towards the end after my applications <laughs> were submitted. Um, refreshing student room, I think. Uh, I did the same. Yeah, caused hours of misery um, and very unproductive days. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so at first I just got all the information together, narrowed down the universities I wanted to apply to. And it sounds, again, looking at the detail, part of me assumed that, you know, I've got a PhD in biochemistry but Mm -hmm. actually a lot of universities want you to have certain GCSEs so just checking that I was eligible to apply and checking I had the right GCSEs which found you know felt like so long ago but again it'd be such a shame to kind of make a one out of four choice and then find that you know you maybe you've got a C in English instead of a B in GCSE and actually you haven't got the right evidence to yeah to be eligible for that um application so checking over those all those things um and in the end i went for birmingham grad oxford grad southampton grad and then bristol undergrad um okay. as courses um and yes at my uk cat it went well which was actually after all the personal statement writing I think was the only reason I got my I had two interviews one at Bristol obviously and I had one at Southampton um and it was a bit frustrating that I think it pretty much came down to my UCAT score as to why I got them after you know agonizing for hours over personal statements and things but yeah so I think you have to I suppose consider all parts of the application quite strongly to make sure you're finding the applications that suit your strengths um yeah okay and so you sat the the UCAT and Mm -hmm. the BMAT um Mm -hmm. how how were both of those experiences for you and 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 how how did you personally prepare for each of them And, and would you have done anything differently looking back on it now so I think the BMAT I I went, I did, went okay, like it was it was fine, um, but it definitely wasn't um, a notable kind of mark. Um, I would say I found it harder in the sense of it seems to be based a lot on like A-level curriculum. And it's, especially for me, it'd been, what, 10 years since A-level. It, you know, it had the physics, physics aspects and I found... I just hadn't put enough time into just going back over that material. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if I had wanted to take it a bit more seriously, I would have, or if I had to do it again and wanted to put more emphasis on it, I would have just revised more 
of the kind of A-level sciences. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, but the UCAT, I know a lot of people don't like the UCAT, but I the the abstract reasoning I cannot ever get my head around. But the rest of it, it is an exam that suits my kind of learning style and I suppose way of thinking. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not for everyone and it definitely doesn't cover, you know, everyone that will be a good doctor won't necessarily be, be good at the UCAT. I think it's very kind of, it measures a certain type um, of test, but it does, um, I did quite quite like it generally as an um, exam at the time. It was quite stressful, um, but I used uh, Medify uh, as a revision tool. Mm-hmm. And for me, that worked perfectly. Lots of questions, it, gives you a little analysis on the side as to how you're doing which I found really helpful and it helped motivate me and try and give me an idea of how it was going um it's a very much on the day thing I think you know it depends on how you're feeling at the time I've heard of people go way under or way over what their practice tests have been getting um so I think if you don't get a great score you know don't necessarily just don't ever let it make you feel like you know this isn't for you or you won't ever get a good score um I think practice it um and kind of I what I did for it was I went through each section without time pressure to try and understand what sort of questions would come up um go over those basic maths uh, you know formulas that would come up try and work out what practice each type of question and then practice under time pressure. I think that was absolutely, it's the time pressure is what gets you. Um, so make that a huge part of your revision is to practice under um, under the time pressure. Because that was really hard on the day. Yeah, definitely. I think that's probably the top tip that, that I would give, um, especially mm-hmm. for UCAP because of how time pressure that is. And actually, it's, it's a, a similar kind of approach to the UCAT that I take with near enough every other thing in, mm-hmm. in medical school. And it's that the more that you consciously face that pressure then put that pressure um, on yourself in a controlled way. So say, you know, like for, for UCAT, like you said, constantly sitting down at a certain time of the day and, and actually timing yourself, putting yourself under that pressure, but in a nice controlled way where it doesn't overwhelm you. But you still feel mm-hmm. that pressure and you mm-hmm. you get used to it and actually you become you become stronger um mm-hmm. against that pressure and, and you begin to kind of thrive under that as well. Even though you might think that you never will, you do end up mm-hmm. thriving under that pressure if you do it enough because you know you, your mind like anything else you can train um mm-hmm. in, in a certain way. Um, and I feel the the same goes for for medicine as well like doing things like like past med which for anyone who isn't in medical school yet basically it's a huge question bank of of different medical school style questions um for for like final exams and really i i take the exact same approach you know constantly just putting myself under the bit of time pressure um mm-hmm. and and forcing the kind of active recall um or you know just just forcing myself to, to kind of think on my feet and just get things done and and I feel like yeah the more you do that um the the more comfortable you are with being uncomfortable which I think especially for mm-hmm. UCAT is is actually a huge strength mm-hmm. to stay in camp during that kind of exam and keeping a clear mind yeah I think absolutely and if you have a, a question or a section that doesn't go well being able to put it aside 
be done with it and then focus on the next section, which actually again comes up, you know, I've in medicine with exam questions and OSCEs and even oh, yeah. in the clinical exactly. environment, <laughs> you know, you get thrown a question that you have no idea about. And actually, if you let it kind of cloud your mind, it just then affects everything you do going forward. So, exactly. um, yeah. Perfect. So um, just the, the last question relating to the the med school application side of things, mm-hmm. um, you had two interviews, one at uh, mm-hmm. Southampton, one at Bristol, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Were those both MMI interviews? Uh, no. So the Southampton one is, a well, for me at least, it was a, a panel of two interviewers and me, and then okay. it was a group in, followed by a group interview, which was probably one of the uh, <laughs> worst experiences of the dramatic same my whole life, but definitely of the whole process. That's, that's piqued my interest. Then w- would you be able yeah. to, to elaborate, please? <laughs> I think it just it just doesn't didn't suit me at all. I think you know you've got interview nerves, and just the group environment of knowing when to speak up and jump in and everyone's trying to get that perfect balance of being assertive but not being forceful and it just feels quite artificial and I think I much prefer smaller groups of you know of talking you know anyway so it just didn't suit me and I think that's the way they like to interview people it probably reflects how they like to teach and how they like their you know in their course so I think I suppose it was good to find out then that it's probably not the right match but yeah I I just got caught up in my head of are you gonna speak oh no you haven't spoken or you're not saying anything quick say something and then you kind of half interrupt so like yeah I am not my favorite (laughs) okay and would you have done anything differently with that um like to to try and make that experience just a, a bit less, in a way, traumatic for you. You know, I mean, I, I suppose it would be for anyone uh, if if you'd never if you if you hated being put under that those sort mm-hmm. of uh, in in that sort of environment and 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 then you had to endure that. So, would mm-hmm. you would you have done anything differently? I think probably tried to put myself under the same kind of environment earlier if I could to so maybe get mm-hmm. a few people together. Um, you know, maybe if I knew other people were applying, which I think is something that's harder as a, a grad or an, as an older student, because maybe if you're at school, you know other people applying, whereas I didn't know really many other people. Um, but I suppose get some friends together and maybe just try and recreate the scenario so I could practice either one, kind of inserting myself into conversation quite assertively, or also maybe getting the timing a bit wrong recovering from it and not letting it you know make me feel even more nervous um so I think yeah even if it's something you really don't um enjoy if anything those are the things you need to I suppose put yourself in the position of um yeah yeah that that makes a lot of sense but it's and it's it's so easy just to get caught in that trap that kind of vicious cycle of then doing something wrong but then thinking too much and then ending up not having the time to think about doing the right thing and then Mm -hmm. you think about it again that just ruminates over and over I've definitely had that as well um and yeah it's a very difficult thing to to overcome 
Mm-hmm. A bit like you said, I, f- I feel like just putting yourself under that sort of pressure in a controlled way again and again in a practice environment is really the only way to 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 know that that you'll end up um, kind of overcoming it and, and kind of be- becoming comfortable within that sort of th- those sorts of environments. Mm-hmm. So you got through the whole process, thankfully, uh, and and you're now <laughs> and uh, you're now was it two and a half years or, th- or three and a half years into. Medicine? So, so yes, I'm in halfway through my third year, so it's about two okay. and a half, two and a half years now. Okay, and is it a th- uh, four year degree that you're doing? So this is a five year. So this is a five year. Of, okay, a full five year one. Right. Okay, um, and so is that a, a, an undergraduate course mm-hmm. that you're done? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so how's it how's it been for you so far on the course? Yeah, I think I absolutely love it. To be honest, I think. Um, you know, like with most things, there's some, there's challenges, there's things that maybe you'd perhaps like to be different, but overall, um, I really enjoyed it. And the first two years are preclinical. I think that applies to most med schools and we have a little bit of clinical facing time. So some mm-hmm. afternoons at GP, some afternoons in the hospital, but generally it's mostly preclinical. So lecture based, um, I suppose doing the academics behind medicine first um and I think what overall has made it an experience that I'm really enjoying is being on an undergraduate course has afforded me more time than I would have had on a grad course so yeah definitely um I've been able to work on different projects um, still do a bit of teaching for um a charity called the Brilliant Club which I was doing um before I've worked so the job I have now, I only just started a few months ago, but mm-hmm. before that I had kind of different jobs during the first um, couple of years. And now in my clinical years, which was a big change, um, quite a lot of nerves around actually getting in the hospital, especially after being online pretty much for the whole of, of second year um, because of COVID. But just, I think, starting to find my feet and really enjoying just feeling part of I suppose the team a bit you know sometimes you are watching a lot as a medical student but being able to take histories that are actually used in you know clinics and in A&E and meeting people and practicing those skills starting to actually feel like I'm becoming a doctor rather than second year was just googling weird things to be honest (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah so nice and um what's i'm going to put you on a spot here mm-hmm. uh, what what's been your favorite part of of the clinical years so far actually being on the wards so i think again it links back to what my i don't know my biggest areas of lack of confidence were but the clinical the actual clinical skills on the patients they still make me really nervous um and mm-hmm. I only took blood for the first time just before Christmas and I've kind of built it up in my head to be honest you know it's one of those things that everyone I didn't you know like being a medic with you know taking blood it's kind of the, the thing that everyone sees doctors do isn't it and um I'd really built it up and I think you know in the lab you do lots of manual things with your hands and you're quite dexterous but it's just kind of you there the thought of doing it on someone and 
you know, quite an invasive procedure. Um, but I went, you know, I went to a phlebotomy um, clinic and I, you know, I took blood from about 10 patients. And I think just that moment of even the things that make me kind of the most nervous, mm-hmm. I, you know, I can, I can do it. It's okay. And I was quite shaky on the first one and I flushed bright red and, um, but that's, you know, that's okay. There's a learning process and, um, you know, I, I missed a couple within that and, you know, that's okay. I think it's learning that you don't have to always be perfect at everything. You know, I didn't get kicked off the course because I missed, you know, one vein. Um, and I think, yeah, getting over that, I suppose, mental hurdle more than anything of, of just realising that you can do the things that make you nervous or that you think are hard. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I, w- I had a chat with uh, another guest that I had on the show previously. Um, the our, her Instagram account is Wellness Medic, and she focuses on kind of mental health, um, particularly relating to medical school. And I feel like if if you if you don't make sure that you maintain that kind of positive outset, positive outlook, and everything that you're doing, then it's so easy to to kind of become caught in the trap of beating yourself down too much because mm-hmm. maybe you don't feel as as competent or as confident in a particular thing that you should mm-hmm. be whether it's you know doing a particular mm-hmm. examination clinical skills taking a history whatever it is um and and it's it's easy, very easy to to kind of beat yourself down with that but what you need to always remember with medicine is that you're going to constantly feel that way throughout mm-hmm. the whole process because if you think about it you're going from specialty to specialty and every single time that mm-hmm. this happens to me is that I build up and I feel so competent um by, by the end of one specialty and I'm like oh this is fantastic and then I go to, the, mm-hmm. to another specialty and then I, I feel like competence wise I'm at the bottom of the ladder again and I have mm-hmm. to start all over and it feels like it's constantly an uphill battle every single mm-hmm. time you go to a new specialty but it's it's a privilege to be in that position because actually what you need to keep in mind is that it's you're learning new things all the time um you know and once you go through say the foundation years and you go into specialty training that's when you feel properly competent in the one thing that you're really interested Mm -hmm. in and you're always supported in one way Mm -hmm. or another um you know you you, you'll always have senior help you'll always um have the the foundation your doctors and other medical students who who can help you um if if you don't feel particularly competent with something and you can always speak up if you don't feel Mm -hmm. competent with something that you're asked to do and it'll be fine Mm -hmm. um because it it, in medicine you know i've never i've never experienced such a supportive environment as as i have uh in medical school and and Mm -hmm. and on on the wards and on placement as well and Mm -hmm. it's it is a very reassuring thing and it's Mm -hmm. it's okay to not feel perfect in you know a particular thing um mm-hmm. that, that you're doing in medical school um so yeah I feel like it's a really good environment to to learn and and, and to work in as well yeah I think you measure yourself against different baselines as well so you're saying that you know you build up your feeling of competence and then you move and you feel like you're back at the bottom again but imagine you know first year Chris looking at fifth year Chris now like <laughs> you know you'd be if you could see yeah. it in first year what you were doing even just the way you interact with patients you know or you would be so happy to be at that level so I think you become hard on yourself and you because you see your progress or you get used to a, a level of competency 
in a certain you know aspect mm-hmm. if you then feel less practiced in it or it's in a slightly different environment you then compare yourself to the I suppose the new level you'd achieved and I think generally men it's quite hard on themselves and yeah I think you just need to remember that actually you know you are always learning and that learning is in the bank you know you might get a bit rusty and need to touch up things but those like especially the soft skills and the communication and importantly the skill of knowing you can learn something you know there's lots of things that will be so new in medicine and things are changing and specialties are different but you know that you can have a task handed to you be shown it and you can learn that and and do it again it might take a few times but you know that you can do that because you've done it with lots of different things so i think you have to remind yourself of that Um, yeah it's just repeating the process with a new thing yeah definitely so the the last thing that i wanted Mm -hmm. to to talk about um was more related to to what you have going on on the side um so Mm -hmm. your your instagram account your well your personal Mm -hmm. instagram account and youtube and then we have almost Mm -hmm. tipped the microphone over apologies (laughs) for the listeners there um we're all good now uh so the the personal um accounts as well as mature medic uh mature Mm -hmm. medics yeah yeah Yeah. um (laughs) and and everything else going on there so would you mind just kind of telling the just what the the kind of community that 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 you've created with with both of these yeah so i think the behind both of them the main ethos is just for mature medics it's just there's lots of different people doing these things and they just showcasing their pathway and i think just showing that it is possible you know representation is a huge thing and there are a lot less kind of people in medicine that haven't come you know straight from a school leaver background and potentially from certain particular backgrounds or more represented than others and I think I just heard especially starting the course and meeting some of the other mature medics just so many stories of you know I thought for ages that I couldn't do it or you know and hearing people that say oh, I would apply to medicine but you know for this reason or I've never seen anyone like me apply or oh, I've done this now already and it was I suppose just to show that there are different paths and especially with mature medics just to highlight different people that will hopefully resonate with someone and be like oh well I did that degree and you know especially you know, if it's arts or not in the sciences uh, and just to give people that confidence that there is a place for you you know in medicine and in med school and yes the application is hard and going to hopefully build more on helping people that are potentially more isolated in the application so again I mentioned in school a lot of the time uh, people will be applying at least to university together if not specifically medicine um whereas I definitely found you know the lonely hours of checking student forum and just having someone to talk through the process with even just to kind of validate your feelings of you're not feeling like you're good enough you know compared to statistics on entrance exams and 
you know, it's, it's a tough, it takes a knock on your confidence. And especially when you feel like, oh, you have to write down all the things you've achieved and put yourself out there as a person. And then it's like, oh, we haven't made the cutoff. And Definitely. I think just having a place where people can at least say, oh, yeah, this is tough. And practice, we've done a bit on interview prep, which hopefully is just given people a space to explore their ideas. Um, so hopefully, yeah, there is a place to build community um, among people who otherwise don't know anyone else applying to medicine and potentially didn't feel like it was a route that they could they could do down. Um, and then, yeah, similarly for my personal one, it's just to give an insight into, I suppose, like you said at the beginning, you know, you're just going back and, you know, sacrificing years to go back and do medicine and just to give the idea that, things are possible alongside it, you know, especially if you've, whatever your experience is before medicine, there are so many ways to incorporate that while you're studying. And that actually, you know, can enhance what you're doing at the time. So um, playing around a little bit with kind of the content I make, I've been making like little videos at the moment and one, they're really great to look back on, especially when you've had a maybe a day or a week where you feel like you haven't really done much or you haven't feel like you've not progressed but actually you look back and you know you've you've done a lot um and hopefully people can get an idea of just an insight into different different people's experiences and for people that are in research um or you know undergraduate degrees um of, of what it's like um and then hopefully got plans for the future for some more maybe med ed content and you know trying to I love the idea of bridging the kind of the uh, big biochemistry fan um not many other people are especially in medicine um but try and you know make some resources that are taking the the fuss out of biochemistry but helping mm -hmm. people understand a little bit more about the biochemistry in medicine that's the one of the dream goals <laughs> oh very nice well yeah. I mean you know, it, it's it's great to see someone for so much enthusiasm about uh, allowing people or, or facilitating people to to actually realise the potential and realise that to to do medicine, well, you, you don't have to hold you know the the traditional entry to medicine on a pedestal of mm -hmm. you know getting all these stars, whatever it is, uh, as a school leaver, and then going straight into medicine for you know five mm -hmm. or six years after that. Um, instead, actually every other successful route, whether you do just an undergrad degree, where you do an undergrad and a master's, or you do a PhD, or you do mm -hmm. um, an access into medicine at mm -hmm. college, whatever that is, every single one of those routes is just, mm -hmm. the, they're just as um, deserving uh, of, mm -hmm. of a medical degree um, as mm -hmm. the other. And it's it's great to build that sort of empowering community where, where people actually feel, actually I do have the potential to, to do this. Mm -hmm. and And I've got, so many examples of other people who have been in similar situations to me who mm -hmm. have successfully done it so actually whenever whenever that person has any doubts then well actually they've got the objective evidence there that that someone else has done it so why can't they and I think mm -hmm. that is a very powerful thing because it is very isolating uh throughout the the medical application process especially you know when you're not either in uh, an undergrad degree where, mm -hmm. let's say like a biomedical undergrad degree, where actually a significant proportion of that cohort are applying mm -hmm. to medicine, so you form that sort of little community, or mm -hmm. you're in school where, you know, the teachers kind of band all of the med school applicants kind of together as one and support them. 
if you're not in either of those two kind of camps, then it, it can be very lonely uh, at times. Mm-hmm. And I feel like having that kind of community just at your doorstep online is a very powerful thing. So mm-hmm. I think you're doing a great thing, Amber. Um, and so I think we, we're going to leave it there, if that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, Amber. Um, and thank you so much for coming on. I, for the listeners out there, I will uh, put a link to all of Amber's personal accounts and the Mature Medic uh, accounts as well in the description uh, down below in the podcast episode. So definitely go and check out all of the accounts, everything that she's up to, um, both the personal side of things and for any people thinking of applying to medicine as a mature uh, graduate, um, then definitely consider checking out our content there. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Amber. Perfect. Thank you for having me.